Hey everyone, welcome to The Orchard Podcast with Amy Hughes and Rachel Hughes. We hope this episode encourages and inspires you today. Well, welcome to series three of The Orchard Podcast. It is very good to be back. Uh, we have, we've had a couple of months, haven't we, of not, not recording the podcast. And even though it's been nice to have a little break, we have missed it. We've missed you. Uh, I'd say we've missed each other, but we've actually seen quite a lot of each yeah. other. So that's been nice. <laughs> but we are ready to dive into a brand new mm. series. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to be able to share with you what it is. Um, and it feels like this is kind of a follow on to the last series. If you didn't listen to the last series bit of a plug, go back and listen to it. Because um, last time we looked at Jesus meets, we looked at these encounters that Jesus had with women in the Gospels. Uh, And so this series, we wanted to jump backwards in time. uh, And we're going to be jumping into the Old Testament. uh, And we've picked out nine women, some of them are like duos, (laughs) uh, rather than solo performances. And uh, we're gonna be looking at these nine women Uh, who appear in the Old Testament. Uh, And essentially, what we want to do is when we look at these women, we're going to be looking... If you're a note taker, this is going to be a key sentence for you to write down. We say this every time, but if you're driving, if you're running, uh, if you're doing anything else, ironing, anything that, that could be hazardous, then don't write this down. But if you're able to, this little question, this sentence, this statement is going to be the filter through which we look at each one of these women in the Old Testament. And this is it. This is the the question. How does the story of these women's lives illustrate for us God's overarching desire to renew all things? Mm. And the reason that we want to filter it through the lens of that question is because we could just pick off nine interesting women in the Old Testament and sort of share a few thoughts around them. But, but mm. really the essence of the orchard is about us gaining a greater understanding of what it is we are called to be and to do as part of God's overarching story. Mm. Uh, and so for us, looking at these women in the Old Testament is an opportunity for us to gain a fresh understanding, a new revelation mm. uh, of what that means for us in the 21st century. And, and who God is. And who God is, yeah. who God is. And we strongly believe that by doing that, by looking at these women's lives, we're going to learn more about God's overarching mm. story and how that applies to us in the 21st century. I'm just going to say that statement, a question one more time. (laughs) How does the story of these women's lives illustrate for us God's overarching desire to renew all things? Two just quick things, and then Amy's going to intro this particular episode, but two really quick things as we approach the Old Testament. I think it's important that we mention this because as citizens of the 21st century, particularly in the Western world, Uh, And particularly as women in the 21st century, sometimes when we approach the Old Testament, it can be challenging. I know Mm. personally, Mm. I have found parts of the Old Testament really hard to digest, if I'm honest. There's some pretty shocking stuff in there. There's some stuff on sort of first appearance that appears uh, quite misogynistic, sexist, etc. The treatment and even the value of women in the Old Testament is is challenging for us reading through the lens of the 21st century as women. Uh, And it's important that we mention that. Now, we can't promise to sort of answer all those questions and come up with nice, neat answers. Some of it we have to just keep wrestling with. But I think, and this sort of leads on to my second point, 
One of the key things that we have to do when we look at the Old Testament and all the characters that uh, we see and all their, the way that their lives play out through the Old Testament, and, and incidentally, we said this uh, in series two, one of the things that, that we discover is even though the women have a much smaller part, many of them don't even have their names mentioned, yeah. they're referenced by their sort of by their role or the part that they play in that particular story, mm. uh, even though they don't have as much page time or air time mm. as many of the men in mm. the scriptures, mm. what we are pretty sure we'll discover, as we did in the last series, is that there is, there is such a, a key reason for them to be there, yeah. that, that what they teach us about this overarching story mm. is absolutely crucial. And yeah. so even though they have smaller parts, their, their impact is no, 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 yeah. no smaller than the men that we see in the story. And I think that's important. But yeah. the, the last thing I want to say about the Old Testament is that when we look at the lives of those in the Old Testament, they are not set up as yeah. sort of the moral righteous examples of how to live our lives mm. i think that's important because yeah. it helps us understand some of those difficulties that we have with the old testament that that for example the way some of the the key sort of patriarchs in the old testament treat treat women it's not set up as an example of how how yeah. we should therefore as a society to treat women no yeah. these are imperfect mm. broken human beings who existed in a particular mm. culture mm. in a particular value system uh, and a particular way of living life, God uses them in their imperfection yeah. to play out a key part in his story. Mm. Uh, and so let's not look at them mm. as sort of role models of morality, mm. but rather as broken human beings who by God's grace yeah. are able to play a key role in the outworking of this story that God is wanting to tell and, that, and that's yeah. ultimately what God wants to do yeah. for each of us so that's kind of a mm. setup for the whole series yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to jump into and episode I, one and you already said this but it is the overarching story but it is an understanding of who God is isn't it mm. that the his character and who he is that we learn through the ways in which he works through people's lives and particularly some of these um, upside down um, stories that we're going to listen to and hear about um, but yes episode one um, no place better than starting in Genesis um, so we're going to be looking at Eve uh, today which is obviously the first female that we encounter in the whole of the scriptures um, and, uh, and normally we love to read a bit of scripture together don't we um, yes. and unpack that but I'm not going to read Genesis 1, 2, and 3 to Cause, you. Because that would be like a whole <laughs> it podcast would take, episode. There it, are apps that you can read. Yeah, that. exactly. Look out for that. Yes, maybe, yes. So go ahead and do that. Or, or open your Bible and have a little read now. Um, but yeah, just... Um, so I'm just going to give an overview. For those that aren't familiar, I'm sure many of you who are listening to this are very familiar with um, Genesis and where Eve comes in the story. Um, but we first hear about Eve in um, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Um, and so, okay... An overarching story is uh, that God has created the world, that he's created the beautiful things that we see all around us. He's created everything. Um, and he then creates humankind. And he creates humankind in his image. He creates humankind, male and female. Um, and he gives them a mandate. He says, uh, I think it's in 
Uh, look, Genesis 1, 28 said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So we've been given this mandate, created his image, male and female, been given um, this mandate. We are like good to go. Um, and then in the story, as the story goes, um, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, male and female, um, are tempted uh, by the enemy they're they're they're, um, given an opportunity to be like God and they're given some fruit to eat um, and they fall into that temptation and they eat the fruit and there you go that was an interesting sound (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sin enters the world is that is that the sound Uh, for sin entering the world yeah (laughs) Uh, sin enters the world and uh, and then the story goes that there's a you know there's a curse and then we're going to be um talking a little bit about that but what we see from that moment um, is God's unrelenting um, desire and passion to renew all things, to bring all things back to what was what he originally intended. And so even as we talk about Eve, really what we're also setting up is the foundation of this whole story, all these women that we're going to be looking at. It's this pursuit, it's God's grace and mercy that he's bringing us back into relationship with him. We obviously see that uh, made perfect through Jesus. Um, But anyway, we'll get there. So we're going to be looking at three points um, as we reflect on the life of Eve. Uh, And the first one is that she has been made equal. That's the first point that we want to make. She's been made equal and distinct. So um, equal to Adam, but also distinct from Adam. So we're going we're gonna to have a look at that. The second thing, again, if you're a note taker, uh, we're going to be looking at the fact that Eve is made in God's image. That's what Genesis tells us. She is made in the image of God uh, as Adam has been. So, and then the third thing we're going to explore is that Eve has been made to rule and to create and to subdue. Again, this mandate, this job that God gives uh, humankind. Uh, and so what does that mean for Eve? What does that mean for us that she has this... This, this, this role to play, to rule, to create, and subdue. So we are going to jump into the first point. Mm. Uh, what does it mean for Eve? What, it, what does it mean for us that mm. she has been made equal to Adam, but also distinct? Yeah. So firstly, the equal, um, we were looking at this, weren't we, earlier, Rachel? And in verse... Yes, we were, Amy. Yeah, that sounds so funny. Uh, in verse... <laughs> uh, so chapter 2, verse 18, it says, The Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. A helper? and that um you you might you might be really familiar with this already but that word is easer mm-hmm. um and uh and when we talk about helper i know when i first read it it was like oh a helper that means you know something that is um, someone like loads the dishwasher yeah and... exactly you know um someone that's less than that's coming that's helping somebody else do their task like an assistant yeah, or an assistant. subordinate yeah exactly exactly um, and it just isn't that at all. So when when God creates um, male and female as equal, He's um, He's saying, "Man, it's not good for man to be alone. I need someone to come alongside." And He's, you know, we we can go into this, but He's He He makes um, Eve out of the rib, out of the side of Adam, um, and uh, and together they are made equal to reflect God. So they're made in His image uniquely, but also together they reflect. The wholeness of God, mm, that like is... Like two halves almost, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Um, it's a 
it's a, an expression of oneness yeah. um, that God creates man and female, uh, male and female together. Um, and the word Ezer actually means um, to be made of the same substance. And it is actually, you, I mean, even in, uh, when we've looked over, when we've sort of studied this, you can see that that word is also um, used to describe God yeah. in, other, um, in, in other places in the scriptures. You know, it's, it's often referred to as the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. It's mm. incredible. Mm. Um, and so he's saying that, um, that women are created like that. Yeah. It makes it, it has a very different connotation, totally isn't it? When we, when we hear the English word helper, as you said, it it carries a perhaps a really unhelpful yeah. um, connotation for us that we, we have to unpick this because again, it's so important because mm. from it we can end up with not just bad theology but bad ideology, and yeah. it's it's where we get this sort of mm-hmm. we can end up with this um, these environments where men and women are not treated equally in terms of yeah. the calling on their lives, and yeah. it's where there are glass ceilings placed over women. Yeah. And that's just clearly mm. not how it was meant to be when we go back yeah. to the origins of, of creation, yeah. to when God created yeah. male and female and how they were supposed to lead mm. and subdue yeah. together, together. And even interestingly, it says, um, it says uh, you know, after... So like we said, there, um, there's a curse um, over women and we see that over the serpent as well. In, that gen- yeah. Genesis 3. Yeah, Genesis 3. I was just going to get it. And um, and Genesis 3, 16 um, says to the woman, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Um, And it's interesting, again, that there's this sort of ruling over that's actually part of the fall. It's it's not what was originally intended. Um, What was originally intended was to be side by side, equal, Mm. to reflect God. This isn't about us. This isn't about male or female. This is about male and female coming together to reflect God in the world. Mm. And when women aren't aren't, um, able to be equal, to stand side by side, that's not okay because it doesn't reflect God. People aren't seeing God in its fullness. Mm -hmm. That's the point. It's not about this sort of competition of who's you know, ahead yeah. or... Does that make sense? Yeah, it's not sort of striving no, for, is it? It's not how we were made it's to not, be. It's not even like, oh, this isn't fair. It's for the glory like, of no, God. No, it's for the glory of God. Yeah. I love that. And I think the other point to make is, yes, that, that Eve is made equal to Adam. Yeah. But she is also made distinct. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't just make one gender. Mm. And this is pretty pertinent right now. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. we, we have to... We have to tread carefully mm. always against the backdrop mm. of what is what, what what in culture is being normalized yeah. and some of the conversation around this. But I do think it's important that that we're able to say that, mm. that God's design is that male and female are made distinct yeah. from one another. Yeah. That is important. I believe that passionately, that men and women are made equal and yet they also are made distinct. Now, and I think this is key as well. When we talk about distinction, the danger is, again, I think we can fall into perhaps unhelpful ideology slash theology around the roles mm. that men and women are supposed to play. Mm. And I think there, there is a distinction. There's a distinction in how we've been made. I think there is a distinction in some of the, the qualities and the traits that we carry, in some of the roles that we play. But I think, I think at times... I don't know what you think, Ozzy, that the church has sort of overemphasized the distinctions. And yeah. what you end up with are mm. these sort of 
these uh, these boxes, you know, you end up with this sort of narrow, small box of what it means to be a woman of God or what it means to be feminine or to express the feminine heart of God. And, yeah. it, and it has to fit in this very small little box and, and you have to sort of fulfill these, these very distinct feminine roles. And if you're not wired in that way, yeah. then it can be really unhelpful. And, and I actually think there's loads of overlap. Yeah. I think there's loads yeah. of overlap, and yet there is a distinction. There is yeah. a distinction. Yeah. Because God has a feminine heart, and yeah. God has a masculine heart. Yes. And there are ways to express that in different ways. And I think, that again, the danger is, for those people that don't sort of uh, naturally fall into what the church or culture might describe as feminine can therefore feel like they don't have a part to play or, or, mm. or that they're, they're, they're coming against the grain. Yeah. But actually, I think God's expression of what is feminine is yeah. broad and wide, yeah. which, is, which is what... I mean, I look at my own kids. Yeah. I've, got, yeah. I've got two boys and three girls, and they are all so different. Yeah. My girls are so different from each other yeah. in their strengths, mm. in the way that they've been wired. My, my boys mm. are so different from each other, and yet they're, they're both very much masculine. My girls are very much feminine, but they, the way that they express that is so different. Yeah. And I think we've got to be so careful not to... Yeah. Not to, to yeah, not to make small mm. what it what that means, and I think we were in dangerous ground when we start sort of um, distributing set roles. Like if you are a woman, these are the roles that you can have. If you're a man, these yeah. are the roles that you can have. I think there's loads of crossover. Absolutely. I really agree. So we're jumping on to point two, mm. um, and that is that Eve is made in the image of God. Mm. Again, this is like. Yeah fundamental yeah. isn't it mind blowing what does it mean yeah. that we have been made in the image of god yeah. it's uh, you know actually getting hold of this yeah. will radically transform our lives absolutely because so much of the time and this isn't just particular for, for women i think men too and it does feel at times like the culture is doing everything that it can to undermine mm. The, the dignity and the worth that God wants to ascribe to us mm. as his human beings, as, mm. his, as his children, as his daughters. Mm. And it feels, yeah, it feels like just living in the world, just living against the backdrop of culture can constantly strip mm. you yeah. of, of that, that sense of value and worth and dignity that comes from knowing that we are made in the image of God, like deliberately created. I actually feel like this might be yeah. a word for somebody. For me, like the words of Psalm 139 yeah. have been so powerful for me yeah. that I was formed and created in my mother's womb. Mm. Uh, you know, that, that God knit me together, that I was deliberately, Deliberately created and made yeah. and so much of the time I think we walk around feeling like God has made a mistake mm. I, I felt like that mm. like I looked at myself in the mirror and I felt like God had made a mistake and yet if we come back to Eve you know the, the first woman that God makes mm. we're told she's made in the image of God and actually you know we talk a bit about shame on this podcast, and we're going to come back to it again because yeah. actually it's in Genesis. It's in, this, it's in these, these Genesis verses that we see where shame begins. And I think many of us, mm. when we're not living in the reality of knowing that we are children of God, that we are made in the image of God, mm. it, it breeds shame in our lives. And it's fascinating sort of understanding the roots, the roots of shame because... 
what we see is that here's Adam and Eve, and, and at the beginning, they are walking around naked, perfectly happy. I mean, the one thing that occurs to me is that I'm like, are they, are they not a bit chilly? Like, I'm, I'm assuming Eden, well, we roughly know where Eden is, but it must be a warm climate. Because perfect, that would, perfect climate. Perfect climate. That would panic me. Like, I need, I'm going to need a jumper on or something. But anyway, we're assuming that they're, they're naked, they're unashamed. That's what we tell. They feel no shame. And then the next thing we know, as Amy said, they're tempted by the enemy. Uh, they ignore God's instructions. They take the fruit of the tree of the knowledge mm. of good and evil and that's key the knowledge mm. of good and, evil. and suddenly they become aware of their nakedness and they hide in shame and these two things are connected and God says to them who told you you were naked there's this connection between them eating the tree and the awareness that they have of their nakedness yeah. and what happens is by eating the tr- the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil mm. human beings then set themselves up as the judge yeah. of what is good and evil yeah so we take that responsibility out of God's hands. So that, mm. that was always meant to be mm. God's role. God was, was meant to be the judge, the judge of what is good and evil. And we take the fruit we, from the tree and suddenly we become the judge of what is good and evil. And literally all hell breaks loose. Yeah. The fall takes place. And then, that's the point in which shame enters the world because we now mm-hmm. set the verdict on what is good and evil, mm-hmm. on what is beautiful and ugly, mm-hmm. on what is perfect and imperfect, what is successful and unsuccessful, yeah, mm-hmm. clever or stupid or worthy, unworthy, strong or weak. And we judge ourselves mm. by the standards that we've set. And then inevitably we fall short of those standards because we're not always beautiful we're not always perfect Mm. and of course the result of that is shame because shame is what happens when we judge ourselves to fall short of a particular standard and it's toxic but it's not the standard that God has set yeah yeah. It's not the verdict that God gives us. It's the verdict that the world gives us. Yeah. It's the verdict, verdict that comes out of a sinful, mm-hmm. uh, a, a sinful culture, a sinful world, and it's not meant to be that way. Mm. And, of course, ironically, by doing that, we become sort of deafened. We deny God's verdict, the verdict that God wants to speak over us, which is, I made you in my image. You yeah. are good. Yeah. It's good, it's good, it's mm. good. And it's, it's that verdict over us yeah. that brings an end to our shame, which yeah. is certainly my experience. It's actually, it's been sort of consciously coming under the truth and reality of the fact that I've been made in the image of God, yeah. which then silences the shame, the verdict that I've been judging myself with. Because God's verdict over us is, yeah. you're good, it's mm. good, it's good, it's yeah. good. And I do think that, you know, when I first heard that as well, I it's so helpful because Mm. I think sometimes we get lost in shame don't we and we get trapped in shame but actually knowing this root is then you can actually begin to um, I guess come into the roots and begin to cut down some of these um, distorted um, ways of thinking by saying I'm I I am created in the image of God. I am his verdict over me is very good. Yeah. Anything that opposes that is not of the Lord. It's not true. Yeah. And so you can actually begin to combat lies very very quickly when sometimes it's been it's sometimes hard to discern, oh maybe I am a bit that. And it's like no no, anything that's not very good is not of the Lord. And so I think we can then begin to rebuild um, and walk out um, of some of those patterns of um, thinking as well. And um, and I think it was even, we were, I was just thinking about um, 
it comes, yes, certainly in, in image and body image and all that stuff, but, but also in, um, in what we do for the Lord. So for yeah. example, I was, um, I did something the other day, I think I like, um, preach somewhere or whatever. And I, um, came away and I was just, Oh, you know, that feeling, oh, yeah, shame the shame storm. feeling. Oh, shame storm. and I was like, yeah. Oh, this, I feel so much shame. That was like awful and all of that. And, um, and I sat and I said to the Lord, I feel so much shame. You know, I don't know. I didn't think it was this. And I did, da, da, da. um, and I felt like God give me a picture of a judge's hat and, uh, you know, one of those wigs. And, uh, and I felt like God say to me, who made you the judge of what mm. I think is good? Yeah. And it's true. It's like, I think sometimes we go with the conditions of the world, not just in the way we look, but the output of what mm. we do and what we deliver and who we are. Um, and actually, it's so upside down in the kingdom of God, isn't it? That actually, if something is is heartfelt, if something is worship, if something is giving glory to God, if something is for him, the measurement is up to him yes to, he's the judge he to yes. decide um what it is and so i think we need to be really careful as well as just living in condemnation over all sorts of things yes um that we do yes true move along agreed yeah so we we've had eve is made equal and distinct um she's made in the image of god and then lastly eve is given this mandate this this job mm. to do uh, alongside Adam, and Eve is made to rule and to create and subdue. Mm. And I think, again, it comes down to this contribution yeah. that God has for each one of us to make mm. on the earth, in his kingdom. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, I don't want to apologize for sort of talking about this too much because I think so many women do live under glass ceilings. Mm. And those glass ceilings are, sometimes they're external. You know, yeah. perhaps we're operating in places where there are like almost like literal sort of ideological glass ceilings that have been put over us. Sometimes it's internal, it's shame. It's the mm. shame that creates mm. this glass I ceiling over this. us. Mm. But but God is saying, go, you know, go, go and rule, yeah. go and create, go and subject. Yeah. It's like, go, go and do yeah. what I have called you yeah. and created you to do. There is a job mm. to do. Mm. There is a job to do. Yeah. Order out um, of chaos. Yes. Wherever you are, bring order out of chaos. Absolutely. He mm. wants our contribution. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that one of the biggest, the heart of the orchard is this there that he is uh, humbly, I would say, using this in, in miraculous ways. I really would say. miraculous. Um, but to say, you know, that he he just does. He wants women's contribu contribution mm. for the sake of the whole mm. for everyone. When mm. women are set free and released into everything they're called to, men gain, the yeah. world gains yes. um, because we reflect God. Yes. And so let's not hide. Let's not hide our, um, mm. yeah, our reflection, our, our contribution to the world because it's for his kingdom's sake. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah, no, you go. No, you go. Well, I was going to say, I think it's also about the value that we ascribe to, to different roles you know that that's Absolutely. important as well because we were actually I was talking about this clip that I had seen on you may have seen it on YouTube uh, Jordan Peterson who's a, a relatively controversial figure <laughs> and and not somebody that that you would imagine might appear on the Orchard podcast uh, and and there's this famous clip I think it's one of his most watched interviews but he's being interviewed by this news 
presenter, I don't know, a British news presenter, mm. uh, and she's a, uh, she's a woman, and she's clearly a feminist, and she's sort of quizzing him on the gender pay gap, amongst other things. Basically, controversial statements that Jordan Peterson has made that mm. on the surface sort mm. of appear to be, sort of have misogynistic or sexist roots, you know, that um, in a sense he's not sort of overtly saying, oh, there is a gender pay gap, and it's terrible, you know, it's sort of nuanced. And to be honest, I've seen that clip twice. And the first time I saw it, I felt so cross with John Peterson because <laughs> I, I so long yeah, for women mm. to fully step mm. into all that God has created them to be and yes. to do. And I'm, yes. I'm immediately hostile <laughs> to anything that I, I see or read or hear that feels in opposition to that. And yet, mm. funny enough, the second time I watched it, I realised that a lot of what was going on is that for that news broadcaster, mm. she had equated value yeah. to uh, sort of uh, the, 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 the capacity of a woman to make lots of money, yeah. essentially. Yeah. That almost the more money a woman was able to make or had opportunity to make, yeah. and the, the, what I'm saying is too simplistic, so forgive me, but, you know, yeah. in essence... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, the values, isn't the, it? The, that essentially what I was hearing is that actually if a woman has the capacity, the opportunity to make loads of money, then there's greater value in that. And, of course, let's not deny the fact that there is sexism in the workplace, that there is inequality when mm. it comes to... to to pay at times that is just inexcusable but it comes back to this idea I think that we've made yeah. equal and yet distinct yeah. and the fact that that in the kingdom of God yeah. value yeah. is not placed on how many yeah. figure noughts there are at the end of your salary and so yeah. if your role to play is to stay at home and look after your children mm-hmm. and that's a very low paid job I did it for seven years I know like there's no money in staying at home and looking after your children and yet the it is value, of the huge. utmost value mm. now that could be a mum or a dad yeah. let's be honest this is not distinct to a female role necessarily yeah, yeah. Um, anyway let's not get into that yeah. too much yeah. but um, that, that actually the value that, that God places on particular roles is is completely different to the yeah, value that the world paradigm. pays on. It has nothing to do with how much money you can mm, earn. Yeah. And of course, we need to stand up. We, you know, we've talked about this again. We need to sort of stand up in the face of inequality, and we need to we need to see justice mm, served. Mm. But mm. we also need to understand that the world's value system, the way that the world measures success uh, and influence, is mm. so so different from that of the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and we have a role to play and it might be that the role that we play does not sort of fit into whatever the world deems as success or has a high value yeah and I and I also think when we're talking about this um this rule this mandate um I guess it's the sort of the outworking isn't it the working part um I think it is really easy again to for go you know sort of fall into striving and working it out Mm. and actually what I love about um even reading Genesis like pre-fall there was this beautiful um dependent so he does say you know subdue it and rule over but it's 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 in this context of beautiful dependence with God where he is the judge of their lives, you know, where they are walking with him freely, mm. all of that. Um, and so I think I think what we, I guess, in new creation, as we're walking into um, reversing the fall, um, it's like, what does it look like to, um, to rule and subdue and be dependent yeah, um, upon God um, in everything we do. And actually, I was even thinking that 
When we look back pre-fall to Adam and Eve, you know, were they perfect? Um, you know, is humanity ever perfect? We have an ability to fall into temptation, as we've seen. So I don't know, maybe not. But what we what we were pre-fall is perfectly dependent upon God. And I really feel as we begin to work out um, what it means to follow Jesus and to walk in this new creation that Jesus has birthed for us, praise the Lord, um, that actually, how do we begin to build our lives that are ruling and, you know, that are ruling and creating and all of that? But like I said, but learning to be perfectly dependent upon him mm. and what he says and what he wants us to do, um, I think is, is key to this story as we walk forward. And then also, um, I, I, it just, I was reading this thing. It was Mark Sayers, actually, give credit for uh, credit to you. But I was, he was talking about this idea between rule and rest. Yeah. And actually, to rule, you know, Eve's been, we've been told as part of our mandate to rule, um, when, when we allow he, him to rule over us is where we actually find perfect rest. Yeah. And we are um, seeking peace, aren't we? Gosh, yeah, shalom, you see that. It's that oh, shalom, shalom isn't it? We, Wholeness. Yeah, yeah, and there's so much anxiety and, you know, as pastors, we see that. Um, so much fear and everything that's kicking off. Um, but actually, if we can't place God as rule over our lives, mm. as ruler of our lives, um, we're not going to find that rest. Um, so rest isn't the absence of ruling, but it's it's placing it's God in charge where we find that rest. Yeah. Um, and so again, I think we learn that through um, this story of Eve. I think that's so true that I, I see so many people, and I'd say this for me, that I people sort of go after the rest. It's like, I need peace, I need peace. I'm so anxious, I'm so stressed, I'm so worried about this, I'm so lacking in, I'm so broken, yeah. uh, you know, I'm so tangled up in sin and da-da-da-da. It's like we're going after we're going after like that deep when we talk about rest we're not talking about sort of putting your feet up with a cup of tea it's yeah. like it's like that shalom yes, isn't it that deep peace rest. that deep deep mm, peace mm. that comes but we're going after the wrong thing it's actually if we go exactly. after exactly. allowing god to rule over Take ev- everything everything yeah to, to surrender to perfectly e- dependent perfectly dependent like fully dependent on him we we lay control down yeah. of everything that's when the shalom comes that's mm. when the rest comes mm. and i think i think well that's massively helped me and that's yeah. looked like sort of literally yeah. laying stuff down like yeah. i repent god of the way that i'm yeah. wanting control over this aspect of my life mm. or I, I repent lord of my need to look a certain way yeah because you know, that, that creates a sense of unrest yeah. in our minds, which is why there is such a correlation, I think, between social media and anxiety is because we're presented with all this stuff that we, we must have or we must be or we must, you know, strive towards. And it robs us. Yeah. It robs us yeah. of just being able to yeah. let him be in control. I've just been starting the day by just literally, as soon as I get out of bed, just saying, how, how you have the rule of my day. Mm. Like, I'm going to give you every part, my relationships, my meetings, my parenting, my marriage, all of it. Just take it. Mm. And then trust that he's heard the prayer. And instead of striving towards hearing him, just trust that he's heard that you've given over the day. And you'll see a difference um, in your day. But even just to coming into, into land even now I think um, you know we do live in in mess don't we we live in a broken world until Jesus returns once and for all um, we are in the now and the not yet aren't we yeah um, and actually we talk about this perfect dependence and that is a lifetime of, of trying isn't it and every it won't day be, yeah and it, every day and it's not going to be perfect until we're face to face with Jesus um, but even as we were reading um, Genesis again that just that um, that they they there's 
they've they've fallen you know they've they've eaten the fruit um and he, and and then god curses the uh, curses the serpent and then woman and man um and then after that he then says um he makes then garments to clothe them. Mm. Um, and I just love how it's his justice and his mercy working at the same time because yeah. the justice of God, the God that we serve, is just, that he, he's righteous, that he brings justice. Mm. Um, and the way he's done that is through um, the curse, you know, yeah. that we read in Genesis 3. But then his mercy is like, next sentence it's like okay within this mess i'm gonna clothe you yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna cover you um i'm gonna i mean it's it's, it's quite beautiful. an incredible sort of picture of god's character yeah. working literally side by side yeah. and i think and i guess an encouragement to us is as we work this out know that his mm. mercy is coming alongside us um, even within broken systems exactly isn't it? i think that's something we've been thinking about ourselves isn't it just in our personal lives that you know we we we're trying to live out these yeah. kingdom mandates that god has given us yeah. within broken systems yeah and it can sometimes be really disillusioning it, it can sometimes be really disappointing yeah because you're praying for god to bring a certain outcome yep and you're praying for that to happen within a system that is broken yeah and it can easily become incredibly disheartening. Mm -hmm. but, but what we see is that God operates within broken systems. Yeah, he's, yeah, amazing. That, of course, the overarching story, which is, takes us back to the beginning, yeah. is that God would fix every broken system. Yes. That, that all, all things will be renewed. Yeah. But for the time being, yeah. our job is to, is to bring our mandate, yeah. is to bring goodness yeah and yeah. hope and light mm. and life mm. into systems that are broken and to see how he works and moves and i'm really yeah hopeful and i'm pretty sure that we're going to see through looking at these women um how he moves yeah, in ways that we need to be able to see because it's for now as well yes that's good yeah well episode one done tick <laughs> I hope, uh, as always, our hope is that it's a blessing to you and an encouragement to you and your faith. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on socials at The Orchard Women to find out more about everything coming up.